Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the weird science behind why people like the taste of black coffee, how entropy keeps time flowing forward, and how smiling really can make you feel happier. Let's satisfy some curiosity. A new study suggests that taking your coffee black might be genetic, but not for the reason you might think. In fact, the specifics are pretty weird, which is why we're going to start with some coffee science today. And buckle up, because the implications from this study might blow your mind. Ashley and I will definitely have something to say about it in a minute. Yeah, Cody literally slacked me. It was like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm sure. I'm like, okay. All right, well, first let's talk about the science. This all comes from a new study from Northwestern scientist Marilyn Cornelis, published in May 2019 in Human Molecular Genetics. The study was designed to figure out why people are attracted to sugary drinks like soda, lemonade, and sports drinks. That's important because those drinks are the single biggest source of added sugar and calories in the U.S., and overconsumption is a major public health issue. For this study, researchers predicted that people who like sugary drinks like that would have different taste genes than people who preferred their coffee black. So the researchers working on this study looked at 336,000 people whose genomes were mapped out in the UK Biobank. That's an open access database of detailed genetic and health information on about half a million British people. They asked participants in the study about their food and drink preferences, then looked at their genetic markers. And they found that a preference for coffee or alcohol was, in fact, genetic and heritable. But here's the twist. The researchers found that people who preferred sugary drinks tended to have a variant of the FTO gene. Here's why that's surprising. This gene variant not only corresponds with the absence of obesity, it also doesn't code for taste buds. It's still a bit mysterious what the FTO gene does, but the current theory says that it impacts behavior, especially eating and activity habits. The hypothesis for explaining this is that the FTO variant doesn't make sugary drinks taste better, but that it dulls people's ability to enjoy the feelings of coffee and alcohol consumption, like a caffeine buzz or being tipsy after a few glasses of wine. To sum it up, the study's lead researcher put it this way, quote, People like the way coffee and alcohol make them feel. That's why they drink it. It's not the taste, unquote. So that's the story. If you're sitting there listening and you're thinking to yourself, I love a good IPA or I love black coffee, I am with you because I'm drinking black coffee right now. I take my coffee black. So do I. And I like it. And I like IPAs too. And I see both sides of this. So for one thing, every early genetic study you have to take with a grain of salt because we don't actually know what all the genes do. And this is just one hypothesis. But at the same time, the first time you drank black coffee, you probably didn't like it. You know, you had to learn to like it. And who knows, maybe that learning is your body realizing how good it makes you feel after you drink it. I guess this goes back to what we've been saying for the last few weeks. And another reminder is good that science isn't always really clean cut obvious what the takeaways and reasons for everything are. This is an early study, and we just have to wait until it's replicated. And if more people land on this conclusion, then it becomes more realistic. In the meantime, I will continue to enjoy my black coffee. Me too. But I'm not going to drink an IPA. Well, that's you. I'm a wheat beer guy. That's perfectly fine. (laughs) (laughs) Remember last week when we said we were going to talk about entropy? Well, today's the day. 
Entropy is why you can't unbreak an egg. And it's also why time can't go backward. So in case you're fuzzy on how the principle of entropy actually works, here's your two-minute refresher course. When I said entropy is why you can't unbreak an egg, I mean it's the reason why you can't unbreak an egg. Newton's first law of motion doesn't really care if your egg unbreaks, and neither does quantum physics. Both of those can go in either direction. The principle that takes issue is the second law of thermodynamics. That says there's a natural tendency for things to degenerate into increasing disorder, also known as entropy. Things go from low entropy, or more order, to high entropy, or more disorder, and never the opposite. For example, think about ice. Water molecules in an ice cube are in an ordered arrangement. That's how it can keep its shape, after all. But plunk an ice cube into a glass of lemonade, and it'll eventually melt. That's entropy. There are more ways for the water molecules and the energy they carry to arrange themselves in a liquid state than in a solid state. So it's a lot more likely that the ice will melt than stay frozen. Similarly, there are so many more ways for an egg to arrange itself broken than whole that it's basically impossible that the broken egg would ever rearrange its molecules into an unbroken state. So if you have a million molecules arranged in a ball, there's only one way for those molecules to be arranged in that ball. Any other arrangement, any other finitely possible arrangement is something else. So probabilistically, it's not going to happen. They're not going to just land into that formation. They could, but they're incredibly unlikely to. There's also an interesting implication in the second law of thermodynamics. Thermodynamic processes are anything involving the transfer or conversion of heat energy. And since they all must result in an increase in entropy, they're irreversible. The thing is, in theory, there are interactions that don't involve heat transfer. But in practice, everything has inefficiencies that result in friction or other types of heat loss. So this law pretty much applies to everything. So if nothing is reversible, time isn't either. Time always flows in the direction of increasing entropy. Scientists are still trying to answer questions like how gravity affects entropy and why the universe began in a low entropy state. Someday, maybe we'll have answers. But for now, you've got one more reason to check your eggs before you buy them at the grocery store. Today's episode is sponsored by First Alert. There are three things every homeowner wants their home to be. Smarter, safer, and more fun. What if I told you one link by First Alert can accomplish all three of those things? First, meet your family's new best friend, the one link safe and sound. It's a hardwired smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm with a premium home speaker, and it's Alexa-enabled, all in one sleek device. It's built with First Alert safety technology and provides an immersive, great sound experience. The safe and sound elevates any home. But it gets even better than that. OneLink by First Alert also offers the OneLink smart smoke and carbon monoxide alarm that works with the OneLink safe and sound. The device is easy to install and protects against both smoke and carbon monoxide. If smoke or CO is detected in the home, the smart alarm will notify you using exclusive voice and location technology and send a notification to your smartphone, whether you're at home or away. A smart home should start with smart protection. And OneLink by First Alert welcomes you to a smarter, safer home. For more information, visit onelink.firstalert.com. One more time, that's onelink.firstalert.com. A new study shows that smiling really can make you feel happier. So let's wrap up today by giving you a real reason to smile this weekend. As reported by Futurity, psychologists have actually disagreed about the idea that putting on a smile can actually make you happier for more than a century. Remember the replication crisis we talked about a couple weeks ago when Joseph Riegel talked about how researchers have a hard time reproducing results from previous studies? 
Well, in 2016, more than a dozen teams of researchers failed to replicate a well-known experiment that demonstrated that physically smiling can make you happier. Not a good look. But that's why, for a new paper, researchers conducted a meta-analysis and looked at nearly 50 years of data on links between posing facial expressions and feeling emotions. They analyzed data from 138 studies, testing more than 11,000 participants from around the world. And the meta-analysis found that posing facial expressions does have a small impact on our feelings. As in, smiling can make you feel happier, scowling can make you feel angrier, and frowning can make you feel sadder. The researchers concluded that you can't exactly smile your way to happiness, but it does give researchers some insights into how the mind and body work together to shape the way we consciously feel emotions. They're also quick to point out that, quote, we still have a lot to learn about these facial feedback effects, but this meta-analysis put us a little closer to understanding how emotions work, unquote. I do a little performance hack when I'm running marathons where I consciously try to keep smiling, which does two things. One, it makes all of my photos better, right? (laughs) (laughs) Those things are expensive. (laughs) And number two, it keeps me from consciously thinking about, you know, the pain and and the fatigue and how uncomfortable I am. Wow. It works for me anyway. Cool. (laughs) That's all for today, but you can keep learning all weekend on curiosity.com. This weekend, you'll learn about why body language isn't as powerful as you think, the three strategies you use to predict the actions of people around you, an army of micro robots that can wipe out dental plaque, and more. Come hang out with us again Sunday on the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. And stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.